Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Uh-oh, Todd, I think we're live. We're live. All right, welcome to a special episode of Your Daily Scrum. This is the do first- you, Do you like my enthusiasm? <laughs> you go, oh, Todd, we're live. Todd's oh. like, great, we're live. What, is yeah. that, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. It means that right now we're streaming out to Facebook and YouTube, but if you're watching this after the fact, hello and welcome as well. It's today's episode of Your Daily Scrum. I am professional scrum trainer Ryan Ripley. This gentleman over yonder is Todd Miller, fellow professional scrum trainer. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great today. Look, we're really getting into the song today. Yeah, we got pretty deep into it. <laughs> All right, so this is the show that every day we get on here and we post a video about a Scrum or Agile topic that we hope is helpful to you. Today, we're going to start it off with a question that we got in our YouTube comments, so leave us a comment below, and uh, that will probably turn into a video at some point, or if you're watching live right now, throw a comment in the YouTube or Facebook chat, and we may pull that up as a question, right? So we'll be here as long as there are questions coming in. And uh, we'll see how it's going. All right. First question. Todd, help. I'm a scrum master and I have nothing to do. This one came in over. Um, this is a LinkedIn question where uh, a person reached out and said, yeah, I'm trying to keep busy throughout the day. Um, but sometimes I just I run out of things to do and I'm not sure as a scrum master what I should be doing. Todd, you ever feel like that where as a scrum master, it's like, ah, where, where should I be? What am I doing? Why don't I have any tasks? Uh, yeah. Um, and in most cases, for me personally, it was because I think I was ignoring the broader organization, right? I was in my Scrum bubble. Um, so this, this would, and, and in fact, um, maybe this time for reflection would, would, would give you the opportunity as a Scrum Master to think about things that you could do to help your product owner, things that you could do uh, in the organization to help your Scrum team. Uh, that's where my mind went when you just read this right now. <laughs> and I got, I have the like the YouTube chat stuff up over here and I've got to hide it because I'm, I'm like watching my face talk. And it's probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably a good idea to shut that down. Um, you know, this is interesting. I, I find I, my mind kind of went in the same direction yours did, Todd, where um, I think this comes up when we're not paying attention to the wider organization or um, when we don't fully understand the the real organizational impediments holding back our team. And so what I mean is um, if I'm if I'm finding myself in a spot where I'm not sure what to do next, I have not built out a proper impediments backlog. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean is and, and actually we're about to teach a, a public uh, professional agile leadership course tomorrow. One of the big topics in that class is why is delivery difficult? Why can't we be consistent? And that's something that leaders want. And we dig into that. And what that ends up leading to is this big board of stuff. You know, the, the build server is always broken. We can't, we're always changing our prior. Like it just fills, you could fill a wall with your team. 
on all the reasons that delivery is difficult. And if, if you've done that work as a scrum master, if you've really dug in and figured out where all the, the problems are, well, then suddenly it becomes very easy to, to stay busy, right? Mm -hmm. If those organizational impediments are transparent, if you've been working through those, if you've been uh, partnering with leadership, you should never be idle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you really do truly have some idle time and you're just sitting down, uh, I think it's a great opportunity to pick up and learn something new. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe sharpen your coaching skills a little bit, maybe uh, investigate some different uh, metrics frameworks that you could experiment with. Do a little bit more, f figure out what your weaknesses are and use it as a uh, as an opportunity to to um, to pick up a new skill, right? I mean, I, uh, we we all have ebbs and flows through 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 work when we're really busy with things and we have some idle time. Usually, in my idle time, I, uh, I I try to learn something new. Yeah, I think that's really um, that's a good point too, right? There's plenty of books, there's podcasts, there's videos, there's all sorts of awesome things out there that uh, if you're really idle, take that time to learn like Todd said, or perhaps take that time to dig into organizational impediments, or maybe even go visit HR or finance or legal, see if they, how they're doing in relationship to our team, right? Perhaps the way that we're working has kind of, maybe we're starting to nudge into those boundaries with other groups and we're causing some friction there as well. So maybe it's a good idea uh, to kind of lean into that and see how can we help these other groups cope with uh, the, the implications of us doing Scrum uh, just from a, an IT side, right? Maybe there's some things going on there as well. So lots of opportunities. To, and the idea here is not to stay busy, mm -hmm. right? I want to make sure, you know, just as in Scrum, we've got our sprint goals, we have our product goals, we have these greater things we're trying to achieve. I think as a Scrum master, first and foremost, we're trying to help the organization deliver. And, uh, and a lot my goal as a Scrum master is how do I work with a Scrum team and break down the barriers and the silos and the issues that makes delivery as simple as possible, right? Mm -hmm. That's my first focus. And that for, for better or for worse. And if I'm working it with that goal in mind, I'm always going to be busy. Yeah. Right. Great question. Glad that came in. Uh, happy to take questions uh, from the chat as well. So we're going to pull this one down and now we're going to move over yeah, to we got one from david here yeah let's check. check this out let me see if oh, I by can... the way i don't know if uh, if um if we said this before we started but only easy questions please yes yes yes, yes. only easy questions today <laughs> so david in our youtube chat has asked a question what would you guys suggest or recommend uh measuring data to help inform decisions either throughout a sprint or even for planning thanks david that's a great question todd i know this is your sweet spot yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you. This one's teed up, buddy. Crush it down the fairway. <laughs> so um, uh, let's let's draw a big distinction here between what data we're trying to evaluate and what decisions we're trying to improve. Right? I, there is a, a big difference between um, data that will help us improve prove our delivery and data that will help us evaluate whether we built something that's valuable or not. So I, I think it's really important for us to 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 make the difference. Now, here's the thing: is that you you need both. Right. You really do need both. I think that during a sprint that a scrum team needs to be informed with things. We talk about work item aging. We talk a lot about the, the, the Kanban metrics. Right. Um, and, and we really like that. Uh, check out the book. When will it be done by Dan Daniel Vacanza? We were big, uh, big fans of uh, a lot of the work that Daniel's done. Um, and then, so, so that's really gearing towards uh, how, how are we delivering? Is there, is there technical debt that's standing in our way? Um, what's a cycle time of a feature maybe, or, um, or, 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 or in gen general, how a sprint operates, but then there's this whole, uh, value side of it, right? We have hypotheses on the product backlog. Uh, and once we finish and put those hypotheses into production and software, we're validating against them. Right. And so <clears throat> that's where, when, when, when putting it all together, my favorite way of looking at this, our favorite way we run our company on it is evidence-based management, um, which you can check out a white paper on. Um, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty, um, we're pretty, we're, we're pretty uh, satisfied with that because you've got uh, a key value area for unrealized value, a key value area for current value. And then if you draw a line underneath that, you've got time to market and ability to innovate, which tells us a little bit about how quickly are we delivering things and things that are slowing us down. 
So um, I, I think that uh, I would recommend you check out that white paper uh, on evidence-based management and just know that there really is a difference. You've got delivery metrics and you've got value-based metrics and, uh, and um, use what fits the context of your situation, but both of them are required to have a holistic understanding. That was a huge rant. No, I, I think I think it's good stuff, though, Todd. And I think when when any data that I'm measuring, uh, first of all, yes, and to everything Todd said, this is his sweet spot. Me, from more of like a, a leadership perspective, I really had to teach myself to kind of back off of um, all the data and trying to get a, nar- a more narrow focus. Like if if I could not identify how a certain metric or piece of data would change a decision, I really started ignoring it. Right. I really wanted to be clear about I'm measuring and looking at things that would really influence the way that we work. And if I couldn't articulate that, that one kind of fell to the background. And so I think, yes, all of these things are important. We want to be data driven, but really think about how what decision would you take differently based on knowing something? And I think that can be a really good indicator as well. Yeah. All right. Got another question. So, David, thank you for that question. We have another one that came in in the chat here. What do you think about combining other agile frameworks with Scrum and which one do you think is the best combo? I love this question, Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to jump in here if you don't mind. I am a huge fan of professional Scrum with Kanban. Mm-hmm. I just think that is such an awesome combination, right? We bring all of the awesomeness of Kanban and the the lean metrics. Uh, we get, you know, cycle time, throughput, whip limits. Uh, and item aging, and we combine that into uh, the Scrum framework and the events and the artifacts and the accountabilities. We get a proper Kanban board going with our Scrum team with proper whip limits and great visualization of work. And I and I think this is just such a wonderful combination of of a, of amazing practices. And so for me, it's got to be Scrum and Kanban together. To me, it's peanut butter and jelly. Uh, it, it's a great combination. And, and I, I see a future where professional Scrum with Kanban is just the next level of professional Scrum, right? I think this is truly a, a space where Kanban helps, you know, enhances the framework. And at the same time, the framework brings a little structure to Kanban. And, and I think it just, it's such a good fit. What do you think there, Todd? Yeah, I think that's, uh, it, it really is a good fit. Uh, and, you know, I have to throw in the XP thing. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep, yep. Um, so a lot of the stuff that Kent Beck wrote about in extreme programming was where, um, my, uh, experiences and, in, in the agile realm really originated. Right. Um, so I think if you're, if you're, and it's still super relevant today, right. TDD, those kinds of things. Um, and a lot of us, a lot of the, he had practices and principles in there. I think a lot of the principles are true as well. So I think yep. XP, depending on the context of your situation, Kanban, absolutely hundred percent. Um, you know, then, then Ryan, one thing that we don't, I don't know that we talk about all that much is that um, the product owner accountability requires a lot of product management skills. And so based on the context of your situation, lean UX, right? A lot of those stuff that you could uh, read in, in a lean startup, like how, what do you do to, to become a, an agile product manager, right? Those types of things. Um, uh, the thing though is, when push comes to shove, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time, Yvonne Chouinard, to simplify yields a richer result. So um, if you find yourself over flooded with practices, um, maybe think about uh, removing some. But yeah. Yeah, I, I like your addition of XP, some of the lean UX. I think those are great combinations. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's that's where we would go. So definitely Kanban, XP, Lean UX. You get the quality, you get the product management, you get uh, the structure of a, of the Scrum framework, and a lot of the the measurability that comes with Kanban. Uh, and I think that uh, leads to some great things. Thanks for your question. Great question. Thank you for that one, Jovan. And uh, we hope it helped. We're going to move on to another one here. Be sure for those of you listening, we've got a lot of people joining in, viewing right now. If you've got a question, we are here uh, for as long as there's questions being dropped in the chat. So if you've got a question, drop it in. and uh, Or until 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> yes. Yes. We do have a hard stop. But, uh, all right. Malcolm Houston, how do I break into becoming a Scrum Master? I have the PSM1 and the PAL1. Awesome. Great job getting those 
those certifications. I am currently an IT manager. So Malcolm, I think you're in a great position. This is uh, a situation that I found myself in uh, a number of years ago. Uh, and so what I, what I tried to do as an IT manager was find opportunities to apply the framework, right? And so what I have found is people are looking for that next big thing. They're looking to jump into that huge role. And I think what could be more effective is to start looking for, for opportunities right where you're at to, to use Scrum. Maybe, maybe all you can do is create a definition of done for one of the teams that report to you. Start there. That's great. Watch how that changes behavior and then start incrementally bringing the framework uh, to bear as a competitive advantage. And, and then suddenly you're going to find you're doing Scrum right where you're at. And, and I think that gets you the experience you need to eventually break in. You know, Todd and I, a lot of people ask us, you know, how do you guys, you know, break into the industry or become trainers? We're not overnight successes. It took us the better part of 10 years to to learn the framework and to work in different roles and to become trainers. And so I think this is a long play, right? Mm -hmm. I think this is a marathon, not a sprint, no pun intended, bad dad joke, whatever. Um, but I, I, but I'm also serious about that. Look for opportunities around you to do small incremental things. And over time, that body of work becomes interesting. I also think it's, it's good to start blogging or podcasting or vlogging or whatever the new thing is, TikToking. I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm too old for TikTok. But um, whatever, whatever platform you like, start capturing some of your experiences for others to join you on that journey. And I think over time, that could build into you know the break in that you spent five years prepping for. Right? What do you think, yep. Todd? I think that if you're a, if you're currently, you know, I think the uh, Malcolm's mentioning here that he's currently an IT manager. I think this is the perfect opportunity yeah. to learn how to put others above yourself, right? Um, and the success of the people that you manage right now, you put that above the success of your, your yourself, and you're making a, a great stride into understanding how how you have to operate as a Scrum master. So I think that. Um, that 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 would be an interesting place to start, right? I also like how you were mentioning um, uh, you, uh, you, uh, um, you 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 know, to find some way to step into it, right? Like there's a there's a lot of stuff uh, that you can work on. Um, lean into empirical process control. Think about inspection, adaptation, and transparency, and embody that in everything that you do. Uh, yeah, and I think as an IT manager, maybe EBM, maybe yeah. evidence based management could be a good kind of sidestep into that uh, empirical scrum type world, right? Maybe using EBM to an advantage. Uh, it's free. It's on scrum.org. Check out the white paper. But I think there's a lot of different opportunities here, Malcolm. Pick one, lean into it. And like I said, realize that this is a long-term play, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, if you do so have a question, post it to the YouTube chat. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. And we have another question. You ready, Todd? Mm -hmm. This is a good one. Love this question. So Christos, you, I mean, Todd did say, ask easy questions. I don't know if this is easy, <laughs> but it's a good, it's a good question. So we appreciate you dropping it in. Mm -hmm. If a team is self-managing, why is the scrum master accountable for the scrum team's effectiveness? Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Let's, let, let's first define team, right? So in scrum guide 2020, there is no longer a sub team within a team. Right. There's no longer the development team, right? Uh, there is the scrum team as a whole. And in that scrum team, there's three different accountabilities, right? Product owner, developers, and scrum master. And I think that really what was trying to get across when they put scrum team's effectiveness in here is that holistically that the roles are effectively working together, right? And so remember now that it's the scrum team, right? The scrum team that's self-managing with three different accountabilities that need to be fulfilled into it. Yep. One of which is the scrum master who need to make sure that those accountabilities are effectively working together. That's my take, Ryan. Yeah. I, and I think it's a good take, right? And so of course I agree with you, the scrum master, that, that effectiveness, it, it, it just, I, I think dismantling the, the, the construct of a development team and realizing that it's a whole team now is really huge. And it took, uh, Full transparency, it took Todd and I a little while to wrap our heads around that and to stop thinking about the development team as the only one accountable for delivery. And I think once you kind of dismantle that and realize a scrum master is a fully accountable member of a scrum team, 
who's also part of the, that delivery of an increment, now the effectiveness kind of idea doesn't hurt as much, doesn't break the brain as much. I also love the fact that they said effective and not efficiency. Mm-hmm. And that's something to think about too, because I, I think part of the, the, the difficulty here is that those get conflated. And so we also need to think about um, efficiency is not part of it. Right. We want to be effective. Effective means delivering value that that delights a customer. It doesn't mean everyone was 100 percent busy. And so watch for that. It's not the scrum master's job to make sure everybody's busy. It's to make sure we're using the framework as a competitive advantage to get value into the world. Right. And to validate and get all that feedback and do those great things. So yep. awesome question. Really appreciate it, Christos. We hope we helped. And uh, we're going to take another one here. So that's first, only, that's the only hard question that we're going to answer today. Yeah, that's it. All the other ones are going to get deleted. <laughs> so we did have a nice comment. Just wanted to say you guys are great. Help me out a lot. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Thanks. We appreciate great. it. We we need that encouragement. So thank you so much. All right, Ravi. This is a Ravi is a big time contributor and commenter mm-hmm. in the YouTube chat. So Ravi, thanks for joining us on the live feed. Wow, Ty, we're up to quite a few people watching now. We are. What is our take on managing technical debt from a professional scrum point of view? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, first of all, we retire it, right? So let me take a step out and say that, um, let's take it away from technical debt for a second and just say that from a product ownership perspective, the last thing you wanna do is get into a situation where you're managing bugs, right? I feel kind of the same way with technical debt that we need to we need to retire it, and, and so I think the first step in beginning to retire it is making it well understood, so transparent, and then from there I think that we 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 need to we need to find ways to attack and retire it while still trying to find a way to deliver business value. You can't just say, hey, we're going to disappear for six months because we have so much technical debt we need to fix it. Uh, that's genuinely frowned upon. Um, generally, it's hard for you to get the, the money to do that. Um, and uh, so make it well known, make it well understood, make it transparent, and then retire it while still delivering business value. We, as best you can, try to attach that technical debt to say, we're going here, we're going to refactor this section because it's making this part of the website run slow. The benefit to the user is the load time is reduced from 10 seconds to one second, right? Something like that. Like what's the benefit to the user? But try to retire it. Yeah, and if we were to take it out of software for a minute, I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey's financial planning and advice, right? And so when it when it comes to, to personal debt, financial debt, cut up the credit cards, pay it down. And I feel mm-hmm. the same way about tech debt. From a professional scrum point of view, cut up the proverbial tech debt credit card, stop creating it, improve your definition of done and start paying that stuff off uh, because all it does is hurt you long-term. You know, actually that's Ryan, you're bringing up an awesome point about that. I did, totally accidental. Yeah, accidental. <laughs> it's an accidental awesome point. No, um, so like with Dave, Dave Ramsey, he says to ignore the interest rate and rather rather start by paying the smallest thing Yep. back. I wonder if we could apply that to those same Dave Ramsey principles to technical debt. I Start with the could. smallest thing and build out, right? I think that's that's that might be a cool way to that might be a future blog article. I think it's a good one. And the reason he does that is he's not so worried about the the look, a lot of math nerds get get stuck on, well, if I pay this one off first and it'll save me two thousand just make some progress and moment and get mm-hmm. some momentum. It's the psychological side. It, debt is not a math problem, right? It's a it's a it's a an emotional problem, and so what we're trying to do is get some make some progress, get some some momentum. Start, and I love that, Todd, because if you just get a little bit of debt cleaned up and you see a little bit of benefit, maybe you're encouraged to clean up just a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? I like that. I like very that. cool. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's an interesting uh, thing to play on. I took a note there for us to explore that a little bit further. Great question, Ravi. Thank you so much. Todd, we got another one. You ready? Mm-hmm. So Ken say, yeah, yeah, one, two, three. I've seen uh, this person yeah. in our chat quite a bit as well. So welcome to the live feed. Is testing mandatory in the definition of done? Yeah. Great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. great question. I mean, it, it, even directly from the Scrum Guide, although uh, an appeal to a document is not the best answer in the world, but even looking at, at the Scrum Guide, it's very explicit. Testing is a part of done. 
Um, you can't get around it. Now, I'm sure someone will come up with a particular product where testing, maybe there's something weird out there that you, but that's an edge case. Uh, mm-hmm. For product development, yes, testing is a mandatory part uh, of of the definition of done, which means testing happens within the sprint, mm-hmm. which means there's no testing sprints, that testing doesn't lag behind development. It's part of done. Yeah. I, I think I, I don't have anything else to add there, Ryan. I think it, cool. it has to be that testing is a, uh, a is a level of completedness that your team is expecting. And if testing isn't there, then... well, and the definition of done is, in my view, a commitment that we make uh, as part of the increment to quality. And how do you have quality without testing? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I, I I would say, great question. The answer is an emphatic yes. If you're not testing today, meet with your team this afternoon. It's still early in the day. Get testing added to your definition of done. Start where you can and build it out gradually. Mm-hmm. Great question. Thank you, Ken. Say yeah, yeah. Robert, uh, longtime listener of the show, I think back from the podcast days, a lot of Twitter interaction. So, Robert, welcome. Company is slowly but surely transitioning to Scrum from Waterfall. What are some of the best ways to convince senior leaders that Scrum is the way to go and leave Waterfall behind? Mm-hmm. Remember who you're talking to, right? Yep. Senior leaders, uh, oftentimes, uh, this I think this, I think the play on this one here, Ryan, is to remember and to break outside of your Scrum bubble, right? I feel like this has happened to me so many times, and I is as many times I tell myself not to get sucked into the trap of this isolated area where your scrum team operates, you're just in it and it's hard to peek your head out outside of it. So you think everybody knows what a sprint is. Everybody knows what, what, uh, what, uh, what you're going to do in a, uh, in in a sprint review. Everybody knows all these, well, they don't. Right. And I'll tell you that senior leaders, you know what they do care about money. (laughs) Yeah. They care about money. Most really good senior leaders really care about people. Right. And 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 um, the direction of the organization setting setting goals for the organization so they care about. So how how does uh, how does a transition into Scrum um, further enable a senior leader? Yeah, right. I think that's what it comes comes to. And now I, I said this, but I would say, uh, Ryan, this is your territory. So no, was, no, you're you, you you nailed it. I I've made so many mistakes in this area um, throughout my twenty plus year career now. I, I mean, I once walked into a CEO's office and yeah, we got these things called sprints and we did scrum master. And then wait, 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 wait. That's where the CEO is like, what is a scrum master? What mm-hmm. are you talking about? And I, and I learned the lesson very painfully, right? So what was awesome was I had a good relationship with this particular CEO. Um, he was very interested in my career, good mentor. And he sat me down. He's like, the last five minutes of you talking meant nothing to me, Right. And he's like, here's what I care about. I want my, co- I want the company to do well. I need a, you know, something that could, uh, I'm interested in stock. I'm interested in the budgets. I'm interested in success. And he laid out those things. And so I came back and said, well, you know, Scrum makes us good stewards of, of, of budgetary dollars. He's like, now keep talking. I'm like, well, yeah, we're continually experimenting. We're making sure we're aligned with the customer. We're making sure we're serving a need in the marketplace. We're making sure our product is relevant through great product ownership. And that was interesting. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're going to learn we can stop sooner in a product and spend less money here and, and, and invest in other strategic investments over there. And he's like, keep going. These are the kind of things they want to hear about. And so you need to really position the benefits of Scrum from the perspective of someone else, mm-hmm. right? In finance, for example, when I'm talking to a CFO, one of the first things I talk about when it comes to Scrum is revenue recognition. We're shipping sooner, which means you can recognize revenue sooner. And so instead of waiting for the fourth quarter to report this, you can report it in the second. Their ears perk up. They want to hear more, right? Did you know that since Scrum is an iterative incremental framework, perhaps some of the dollars you spend on a Scrum team could be R&D dollars, which get tax credits in certain states. Like this is the stuff they want to hear about. And so then the, audit, audit risk reduction, right? right audit, audit legal risk reduction. Absolutely. And so Todd, this better is better service to your customers because you'll be able to. Perfect. I mean, so this is the stuff they want to hear. This is actually why uh, when I went back to school, I got business degrees, not CS degrees. I wanted to be able to speak in a way that was meaningful to the people I was partnering with. And I think that's a, a killer skill. There's a chapter in our book, Fixing Your Scrum, 
There's a management chapter where we uh, really talk about that pretty heavily. Highly recommend it. If you don't have the book, um, check it out at pragprog.com or amazon.com. That management chapter is probably worth the price of the book if you're struggling with this. Um, but yeah, hopefully that helps. All right, I'm going to jump to Maria's question. Maria, thank you for being out there in the chat. So happy we can uh, try to handle this question for you. What should a team do if the Scrum Master has many other tasks and therefore is never available? What do you think, Todd, the absent Scrum Master? Something, something's something been, uh, this has been on my mind. I've been meaning to bring it up and have a chat. I guess we'll just chat about it live on YouTube. Why not? <laughs> but, All right. But something that's been really sticking out about um, about the the update to the Scrum Guide is the notion of like accountabilities, and they're not referenced as roles anymore. Although you can call them roles as accountability, that's required in a Scrum team. One of which is the Scrum Master, right? And in this instance, Maria, I think it was um, it's saying that the accountability is uh, not being fulfilled at this point. Uh, so I would say uh, if the Scrum Master has too many tasks and isn't ever available, then the, uh, the the accountability of the Scrum Master is not being fulfilled. So it's someone else needs to fulfill it, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great take, Todd. And And all I would say is if I'm on a Scrum team and the Scrum Master is not present as a self-managing team, I would appoint a new scrum master. Yeah. I would find someone new who could actually uh, fulfill those accountabilities. And it's not that you you dislike or, or hate, or there, there's no ill will towards that other person. We all get busy, but these are accountabilities that must be filled. Mm -hmm. And as a self-managing team, I believe you have the right. And actually you're, you're, you're kind of, you, you, you have the directive, I think, to go out and, 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 and appoint a new scrum master and get that accountability filled. No. So great yeah, question. That's kind, of, that's kind of where I was going. And my mind is wrapped around these accountabilities because, you know, we talk about a lot of things like dual rolling or like what's a, what, what, how does the scrum master uh, level up in an organization or things like that. And I start to think that, um, that uh, in circumstances like this, the accountability doesn't seem to be being fulfilled even close to what it needs to be. So as a self-managing team, like you said, let's do something about it. Um, yeah. I like it. David is back with another question that we can handle, I think, pretty quickly. So David, thanks for the the follow-up question. Have we navigated sprint planning and delivery where a proportion of the developers are also working on another or different sprint or product? Aside from getting the org to move away from doing that, what should I think the question is, what do you do? Mm -hmm. We actually have a video on this, and so I'm going to go real brief on this. Basically, what I need you to do, David, is take a look historically at this team. How much time have they focused on one product versus another? And you need to start holding back capacity and making it transparent. Transparent does not mean visible. Transparent means well understood. Make it well understood to the scrum team, to the, to the, to the stakeholders, to the people holding the budget, to the customers. In the next sprint review, show them that is the impact of the distraction. Show them how much capacity you have to hold back because we can't focus on one product and show the new timelines, the, the forecasts for each product and how they're all way further out than what anyone wants and create the opportunity for someone to make a new and better decision based off of all this information that you have presented. What do you think, Todd? Yeah. Yeah, I think that this goes into the, um, your surface. You've, you've kind of uh, mentioned a couple of context switching. This is happening in this team exponentially, yep. right? And so I think that um, I think that if some of the developers are on another sprint or even another Scrum team, you know, we've heard stuff about this multiple Scrum teams, multiple daily Scrums, multiple sprint planning sessions, multiple sprint reviews. What's that? Just sounds brutal. To, and I've heard developers tell me that they don't like Scrum because it's meeting heavy because of that. And I'm just like, well, what do you mean? I have to attend three sprint plannings. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what is? Yeah. What is that? What's happening with that? Not, and that's that's not not even considering the 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 cost of a switch context switch into uh, the the, the well, work domain, right? Yeah. And Todd, this is the trap that we were talking about earlier, where it's effectiveness versus efficiency. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a this is an organization that's deciding we need everyone always busy. 
And, and this is the trap you get into. Suddenly focus is split. And it, what, what's interesting is I've worked in so many of these situations where the leadership will come to me and say, you know, we used to get stuff done and we haven't shipped anything in forever. And my answer usually is, well, it's because people can't focus and finish. We're really good at starting. We're terrible at finishing. And it's because we're always starting. Right. Mm -hmm. I wonder, too, if, if this um, if this has something to do with the way that we're budgeting and spending money. You know, are we are we are, are, are we are we budgeting money and and throwing it at a problem uh, just to throw it at a problem or. Or are we budgeting money and trying to discover things that our customers don't even know that they want, right? Uh, that, this this kind of goes into what's hot and heavy on my mind, this like unrealized value versus current value. Like yeah. if your product is, if you've maxed out the ability to deliver value in your product, then why are you still investing in it, right? Um, why, why are you spending money on it? Rather than uh, we had this new product and we want, we want to spend some money on that, but we're still add, adding all these little things into this thing that one person out of the 10,000 people that use it want. So that, there could be a higher level thing happening here that, that, um, that we're spending our money. We're trying to divide and spend our money on multiple things when we should be focusing our money on the thing that we think is going to bring the most unrealized value to our organization. That was a long Absolutely. tangent, but is that... No, it's great, Todd. I, I think focusing on the truly valuable, look, simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done is essential. Mm -hmm. That is an agile principle. And it means we do, it's the Jerry Maguire problem, right? I want fewer clients and more attention. And he got fired. Mm -hmm. That's what we're facing right now. We know mm -hmm. that if we take on fewer projects at a time, deliver sooner, we'll get more value down the road. But saying that out loud is risky, especially in, mm -hmm. in US corporations. But we have to get to that point to where delivery and shipping is more important than starting. Yeah. And yep. a good scrum master will highlight that through data, through through forecasts and through a lack of delivery and really work to coach the organization on, on the value of, of focus mm -hmm. and delivery and not so much on starting. This yeah, is a scrum and, master problem. Yeah, and, and a good product owner will know when to stop investing money in something. Exactly. If I'm a product owner and I'm about to invest my money into a into creating a product and I've got a team that's working on three other things, that's not a good use of my money. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Right? Yeah. All right. We hope that helps. So David, another great question. Thank you so much. Derek has joined the chat. Good afternoon. I'm finding stakeholders asking the team about estimating mm -hmm. sometimes two or three months down the road. I feel this is predicted scrum. Any thoughts? Thank you. Um, I have no problem with forecasting. Do you, Todd? I don't. Which is a form of an estimate. So let's be clear. Forecasting is estimating. I have no issues with looking two to three months down the road with a caveat. Can you guess what that caveat is, Mr. Miller? Yeah, that those forecasts are continually updated. Yeah. yeah. As long as, just like the weather, if, if we get new information, if the models change, if uh, a nor'easter is coming in from Canada, I'm allowed to change my mind about what I'm going to wear today. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't want to freeze because the weather. And actually that happened to us. It's been 90 degrees for weeks here in northwest Indiana. And this past week, a massive storm rolled through and now it's 65 degrees outside. Can I please put on a hoodie? <laughs> right. I don't want to I don't want to wear shorts and a T-shirt today. So the forecast changed. And guess what? Our my my choices changed. And as long as that is allowed, I have no issues with looking two to three months down the road to look at what's possible. Yeah, I, a couple of questions that I'd like to unpack in here is um, who who are the stakeholders going and asking this to? I, I I would I would hope not the developers, right? I would hope that this is some kind of thing that they're doing to interface, maybe during a sprint review, or maybe this is a question they're bringing to the product owner. Uh, next to that, uh, Derek, I would I would ask uh, have has your team adopted the new commitment product goal? Do you have yeah. a product goal that has a, that's a longer term forecast or do stakeholders just have this feeling like they don't know where you're going? Right. Do they that that from one sprint review to the next, there's no cohesion. And so I, maybe by the use of a product goal, you can help to, to answer these questions. This is our this is our, um, our our longer term thing that we're chasing after right now. This is our product goal that we're focused on at, at, at the present. Right. Two to three months time frame is a good time frame for a product goal, I, I, I think. I mean, uh, so I, I maybe check that out and see if uh, see if see if that's something 
that um, that you could check into. Uh, I, there's a lot to unpack there, but those were just some questions that, that came to my mind. Very cool. All right, great question, Derek. Thanks for being here. We're really pleased that, uh, that you've joined us today. Uh, Christos thinks we rock. Thank you, Christos. We're so happy that our videos are helping and expanding and yeah. deepening your knowledge. Thank you for that. We, we really appreciate that encouragement. Yeah, and a big applause on this too is uh, we have an awesome community of people in comments, right? Never, never feel shy to hop in and answer some questions if you have an opinion yeah. on something in the comments. Uh, kindness always, right? Um, and we haven't, uh, we haven't, we haven't experienced really any anything negative, which is awesome. I think that that's that's huge. Um, yeah, uh, we, we try to keep up with it too, but. Yeah, absolutely. Great community of people. Very helpful and supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you for that. Be sure to leave your comments. Let us know about your questions. Like and subscribe so you know when we go live and when we uh, post a new video. We've got some new stuff coming. Let's keep going through this time. We got a little bit more time, I think. Yeah, we do. We got uh, 21 more minutes. Ian, talking about testing, how do you deal with the situation that management insists that QA and dev are separate concerns, separation of duties? Hmm. Ooh. So if yeah. they're insisting on this, what they're insisting on is not doing scrum. And so this is where maybe uh, a serious sit down and discussion about, you know, cross-functional teams uh, needs to happen. Right. And the, and the power of a cross-functional team and how when we have developers who test and testers who develop and we have people supporting each other and working together all with the goal of not being just in their own lane and not just handling their own thing, but all working together to deliver, we get a better product. What do you think there, Todd? Um, you know what I wanna, I wanna do if I'm a scrum master in this situation is I'd wanna sit down with management one-on-one -on -one and I'd wanna find out why. Yeah. Is there a concern here that as a dev manager or a QA manager, that uh, if a cross-functional teams are allowed to happen that I don't have a job? Uh, maybe maybe this is a, a time to start to ask some some questions to them to figure out why behind this. There's also you know I've heard a lot of uh, uh, people in the past say, well you know if we if we start putting QA folks or de developer folks on these cross functional teams, how do we have any cohesion across them? And that's where you start to talk about uh, enabling through communities of practice and, and things like that. But to to me, I want to know why why management thinks this way is it uh is it, what what's the true underlying thing oh there's my dogs they're going crazy uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, that's ginger amazon must be at the house <laughs> it's ups picking up the the books for for joe krebs yeah shout, I, out I, to, I think, shout out to joe krebs yeah what's up joe all right so i, I think that's i i i ian i i am really curious in this situation to sit down and speak with management and i would want to do so in a one-on-one -on -one context to see what they're thinking and what their what their problems might be, um, because I think that uh, th this spells, a, a, in my experience, a couple a couple things that, that they're thinking that we should probably be cognizant of. Yep. Yeah, I like it. Get more information, but also let's let's see if we can get that those silos busted down. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the whole idea is to not have sub roles on a scrum team, and uh, yeah, but I like Todd's more thoughtful than I am at times, and. This is one where ask a few questions, see what management believes the value that they're getting out of this. And, and you know what? Quite honestly, maybe there's a great reason, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There could be something going on. Let's figure out what. Let's figure out what. And I'm more thoughtful. You're making me blush. Oh. <laughs> Robert thinks the book is awesome. So fixing your scrum. Thanks, Robert. Yeah. I like uh, the picture of your dog. I like the picture of your dog, Robert, in their background. Thank you for that. Let's see, any suggestions from Prasanna? Any suggestions and tips on bringing in psycho psychological safety to the team? Hmm. What do you think, Todd? How do, we, how do we bring psychological safety into a team? Yeah, I, so what's hard about a lot of these questions is you don't know what's happening in this particular circumstance, you know, and, and like why there might not be psychological safety, why like these things might be happening. I can tell you universally, Ryan, one thing that I have always done, and maybe I haven't achieved psychological safety with every team that I've been around. Uh, I've tried, certainly. I think the one thing that I have universally always done that I think helps is I've exhibited vulnerability myself. Yep. Right. 
I've said when I when I um I workplace vulnerability I I've that's uh, shout out to XP in the book mentioned uh, Kempak mentions workplace vulnerability, right? Uh, and and uh, when I was wrong, I admit I was wrong. When uh, when I'm feeling vulnerable about something, I'll say that I'm feeling vulnerable about something. I think that was a a big uh, start for 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 me, and I think that's a good place to start. I really what I'm saying is uh, Prasanna, um, by exhibiting uh, by exhibiting the Scrum values. Uh, by exhibiting workplace vulnerability, um, if you're walking and you're doing that, um, odds are people will follow. You know, it just made me think of, Todd, you made a cool change to our, I think it's in our professional Scrum Master course, where where you started asking a different question. What behaviors would you expect to see in an environment where the Scrum values are not present? So focus, mm -hmm. openness, commitment, courage, and respect. In an environment where those do not exist, what would you expect to see? Mm -hmm. and, and that usually leads to a very un psychologically unsafe environment. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really, again, a very thoughtful um, question shift that you, you created in the class. And it really helps people see if you want to create psychological safety. Well, first of all, no one person can do that. Right. This has got to be a, an organizational decision that we value certain things. But once we get there, um, I think living and exhibiting and amplifying the scrum values is probably the cleanest path that we've seen to getting to something like psychological safety. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you for that. Prasanna, David is back with another question. Do you think you'll introduce a combined scrum and Kanban course materials in the near future? We have it. Professional scrum with Kanban is a class offered by scrum.org that Todd and I teach, and we would be more than happy to teach that for you. It's got a certification too, if uh, that's something you're into. Yeah. Got, so David, if you want to check that out, reach out to Todd and I, we're more than happy to give you more information. Um, I'll actually even do the thing that they say you should never do. I'll give you a way to reach out. So there it is. You want to reach out? There's the email. Shoot us a, a message and uh, we'll talk to you about professional scrum with Kanban. Thank you for that question, David. Let's see. Robert, if you have a vendor that refuses to change to Scrum and your company is powerless to change them, do you just Scrum what you can and incorporate their waterfall into the process? Hmm. This is, uh, we, why do we see so much of these vendors holding their vendors holding their customers captive, right? Yeah, it's weird, right? But sometimes there's there's just that one vendor mm -hmm. who does that one mm -hmm. thing or we're mm -hmm. locked into this is the best price and we're a government agency and we can't switch or mm -hmm. there's all sorts of things that are at play here that sometimes lock-in is a thing. So Todd, I've lived this. I've been in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so what I've done is I've taken on the added expense and I've assigned, uh, I've, I've either, you know, added a, a contractor from this other company, or I've hired someone to work in this capacity, but I've basically created a product owner that sits with the vendor. Mm -hmm. And so otherwise, I don't know how to manage this. If we do not have at least some kind of um, collaboration that is, that is continual, I'm not sure how we go forward, right? Because otherwise, we're constantly waiting and hoping. I, I don't think hope is a strategy. Right. I don't think uh, that that works out very well, but we're always hoping that they hit their dates. And, and we know in, in complex work, that's not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Right. Things can and will change. And so I have found that if I can get someone working with this team regularly, if I can get the vendor working, um, if, if we can get a mix of people. Right. If we can get some vendor people and some of our own employees working collaboratively on the same team, this tends to help. But this is a really, really difficult situation to mitigate without really being there in the weeds of it. Yeah. I keep going to, uh, with this, uh, the principles of Scrum, inspection, adaptation, and transparency. So if they're not willing to uh, adopt Scrum in and of itself, I would, I mean, remember you are their customer. Yep. I know even that your hands are tied, but I would, uh, I, I would, I would really do anything I can to make sure that you you have the ability to inspect what's going on, that they can adapt to what you're saying, and that it's understood where they're going. Uh, because I've seen um, uh, you know six months, twelve months, eighteen months, a vendor disappears and comes back in a big ta-da, right? And you're you're kind of stuck with it, right? So um, yeah, all those things in what Ryan said. That was, that was cool. easier to what Ryan said. 
Nice. All right. Some more questions have popped in. We're going to keep going for another probably 10 minutes or so. As long as there's questions, we'll keep talking. So Ragnar asked a question. If you could only go with one estimation technique, what would you choose? User stories, story points, no estimates. If yes, how? Thanks, guys. Great job. Mm-hmm. Todd, which way would you go? I would go with implementing uh, Kanban in your in the walls with within the walls of Scrum. I would go with having a cycle time, uh, monitoring work item age uh, from the develop having developers monitor work item age, and then with cycle time, you can understand what throughput is, and you can go with long term forecasting using Monte Carlo. Yeah. So I would I would absolutely look at implementing the uh, the, the the Kanban style metrics as described in the Scrum of Kanban guide. It's game changing. It's awesome. It works really really well. Uh, that's exactly what I would do. Um, yeah, I, I fully agree. So no shock there. Um, I would choose none of the options offered here, and I would pick. Um, cycle time throughput, item aging, and whip limits. As described, you know, Todd was talking in, in the professional scrum with Kanban course. We definitely do a huge deep dive into those metrics there. I really think When Will It Be Done by Dan Vicanti is the book to read if you really want to see what, where Todd and I, where our hearts and minds are when it comes to mm-hmm. estimation and forecasting. That is a, it's, it is the perfect book. I think everyone in the agile space should read it. Um, and it just gives you such, it gives you such a great foundation in how to estimate and forecast appropriately, especially with complexity. And yeah. it, uh, it's just and such I, a great book. I think it goes without saying, but, um, this is stuff that we're not just basing off a of theory. This is stuff that we've implemented in the trenches and think that it works remarkably well. So, um, I know, uh, it's, it's quite easy to, uh, it's t- quite easy to get started with it. And uh, there's a lot of depth to it if you want to explore it even further, but check it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yes, uh, to, to quickly answer this question from Lewis, we are going to be doing more, um, more, more stuff in the Kanban playlist. Yep. I think that hopefully you can check that stuff out too, Ragnar. Yep. So we had a, there was a, a personal situation going on in one of our hosts lives that uh, now seems to be in a different space. And so, I think you will definitely see Kanban videos coming back to the playlist very, very soon. Mm-hmm. 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 By the way, great content. Love the show. Like it a lot. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. And let's see. I think Stefan actually had a question. Yeah. Is a dedicated Agile team an anti-pattern? What are your thoughts on having a specific team which should handle the Agile transformation inside a company? Uh-oh. <laughs> I wish I had, like, uh, all I have is the... <laughs> <laughs> this is like we're about to go crazy on a question. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> Todd, go. You want to be thoughtful, and then I'll be the. Yeah, the I've uh, I've totally screwed this up. I've I've uh, I've encouraged people to do this in the past, and it hasn't worked out that great. So I would say it, it, it very likely is. I think that uh, number one, the agile transformation is self defeating. Right. The, yeah. Those terms, agile transformation, um, because it, uh, it, to me, agile transformation implies that there's an endpoint, yep. right? When there, you should be continuously evolving. And to say that we're going to create this group that uh, singularly is responsible for it probably isn't the greatest thing. I've, I've done this in the past. I've had some successes with it, uh, but I think that you need to involve uh, a, a broader scope of people in it. Yeah, I, I think agile transformations are anti-patterns. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd almost wish you'd take those millions of dollars you're about to invest and fix your architecture of your of your product mm-hmm. and then see how big of a transformation you actually need, right? Fix your architecture first because, yeah, you can put Scrum into an organization, but if you have lousy technical architecture, no framework's going to save you from that, right? Yeah, I think I was ranting about that. A little bit ago, and I'm just like, okay, hey, let's let's invest a million dollars to make everybody trained and safe, and our architecture still sucks, right? Yeah. So, I mean, just to be blunt, so that's what we see happen a lot. And um, it, like Ryan said, invest that money in 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 fixing fixing it, right? Or eventually, it will crumble. All right. Great question, Marty. Hey, welcome. Marty. Hi guys, love this. How about a question? How concrete is the daily plan? I'm assuming that's from the daily scrum. Is it necessary to plan the next day completely when the team works great together? 
I think it's valuable to, to pause for 15 minutes and see, is there a way to optimize the day hmm. and make sure we're making some good progress towards our sprint goal? It can, it doesn't have to be all inclusive. It doesn't have to be perfect. We're just pausing to see where we're at. And then we're going to get right back to work, working together great as a team. And so, yes, I think it is necessary. I think the daily scrum has a great purpose uh, in our scrum practice. And uh, yeah, and it doesn't have to be exhaustive. It's just a great opportunity to, to stay synchronized and stay aligned mm -hmm. to our sprint goal and ultimately our product goals and, and what we're trying to release into the world. Yeah. And, and you get together for 15 minutes and there's a good chance that four hours into four hours after that, that things have changed. <laughs> I mean, that's the nature of complex work. Um, but it is really valuable still to keep that daily scrum. Uh, even though you do talk all throughout the day, I'm sure, and have many sub conversations. This is a whole conversation for yep. all of the developers. Love it. Great question, Marty. Thanks for joining us. We're super happy to see you out there in the chat. Prasanna has come back with a question. Once an agile okay. coach I talked to mentioned that a sprint is a mini project that has fixed scope and timeline. Is this really how Scrum evolved? The answer is an emphatic no. <laughs> the sprint length is fixed, but scope is always fluid. Mm -hmm. Scope is negotiable all throughout a sprint. We never fix scope. We never commit to scope on a Scrum team. Yeah. All right. Yeah, people are talking about Grogu. Grogu. Back there. Yeah, I don't know if I, if you look back through episodes, there was a time where I was trying to stage Grogu and different things for every episode, but then I just wore out of yeah, <laughs> wore out of creativity, Ryan. Well, I've got, I think yeah. I've got the Predator back here. Maybe the Grogu <laughs> and the Predator need to meet up and yeah, maybe they'll have a um, a brawl or something. So, Artem, thank you for your nice comment. We're glad your daily scrum is helping you figure out the kind of content that you can put into the world. We hope to see your channel thrive and grow. Shoot us a link when you get up and going. We'd love to check it out. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Do you have, Derek's grab... asking about our Agile Metrics podcast channel. Yeah, we have to get Will going with that um, again, too. We just... Uh, I think there was just everybody got a little bit busy. And, and so look for more of that and the Kanban channel. So um, thanks. Yeah, I like it. So Michelle out there, welcome. Glad you're out there in the chat. Do you have advice or resources for observing how a sprint retro meeting runs when shadowing is not an option? You know, if you can't have someone shadow, Todd, I'm going to jump in here super quick. Um, I think if you have a team by the end of a retro, that has a few really good, measurable, meaningful improvement items. And if we're focused on those and getting them done each and every sprint, or at least so showing signs of improvement, your retro is probably going pretty well. What do you think there? Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I was actually just looking at some of the other comments to prep us for maybe one last question, Ryan, while you were, while you were on that. So if that looks like I blanked out, it's because I was reading the chat. So I'm no just worries. Being, I'm practicing openness here. It's a lot of stuff to keep track of, yeah, but yeah, Michelle, yeah. I think if you're getting that kind of outcome from your, your retro practices, you're doing great. If you're not getting that kind of outcome, I would sit down with your team and say, what is it about this event that we're not getting to the place we need to get to? Right. And, and actually ask for feedback. You are being shadowed. You have a whole team of people watching you facilitate. Uh, this could be an awesome vulnerability opportunity. Like Todd was talking about earlier, just say, Hey team, how is this going? Are you getting value out of this? If not, why not? And how can we make this better next time? I think that's a great way to look at it too. Yeah. All right, Ian, thanks for the content. Loving the book. Kids love seeing Grogu in the background. That's awesome. Derek, as we said, yes, we're getting Will back mm -hmm, in action mm -hmm, and there mm -hmm. will be more shows. Grogu needs to be closer. We'll put him on Todd's shoulder next yeah. week. How about that? <laughs> um, let's see. These other two questions, are, these are pretty specific um, story points and feature points. I don't know. Uh, depends on how you implement them. That's a pretty specific practice. We. Uh, I want to jump on this one real quick, Todd. So I, I mm -hmm. think Nijunawo, uh, I hope I said that close. I was close to it. Mm -hmm. As a scrum master, how can you coach a team who is resisting prioritization using weighted shortest job first? So why is a scrum master telling a product owner how to order a product backlog? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to flip the question back and say, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. If a product owner has a better way or a way that they're comfortable with ordering a product backlog, leave them to it, right? Yeah. The product owner decides. 
the order. It's ultimately up to them. So if they're resisting this, first figure out why. Maybe they just don't understand it. And once they do, they'll they'll jump aboard. But if the product owner has a preferred scheme for prioritization, I prefer to say ordering, hmm. it's, it's their call. Stay out of it. Yeah. I think all we can do as a scrum master in this circumstance is speak with our product owner on how they could... Um, on, on some techniques that can use to order the product backlog. I know a way to short this job first is a big safe way of, of, of taking a stab at ordering. I know there's a lot of other options out there, but as a scrum master, we can enable our product owner by giving them some tools. Uh, but, uh, but we, we don't want to force it upon them as you, as you described, Ryan. And yeah. I think we're almost at 1 PM Eastern standard time. So Rob, we certainly job. appreciate oh, this comment. Please do another live session. This was great. You know what? We uh, this is a, an experiment, so that's the way, so we're not going to be able to take any more questions. We are about a minute out from being done. It looks like David agrees. Would love to see more as he's enjoyed it. That's awesome. So this was an experiment, and I think it went very well. And it's it only went well because of the community, yep. right? So if you guys and gals do not show up with questions, we're just sitting here staring at each other, which is weird. <laughs> and so we totally appreciate. Um, yeah, good stuff. Thanks. We appreciate these comments and encouragement. I think we'll try this again in the future. Um, but thank you for being out there. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you know when we do go live, when we drop a video, be sure to uh, leave your questions and comments below. Perhaps it'll turn into a video someday. Todd, I'm going to switch it over to our usual. Yeah. Hey, and, thank, you. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining today. Cheers. Yeah. So be sure to check out all of the other things going on in the in the show. Uh, some videos are going to appear below if you're watching this replay. Uh, we hope you uh, check those out. The algorithm thinks they're valuable. You might as well. Uh, again, like and subscribe. Hit us up on the socials. Leave your comments. Thank you for being here. Thanks for watching. And uh, go out. Have a great day. And uh, we'll catch up with you all tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.